0: anybody ready yes we are in the second part of our sermon series enemy at the gate enemy at the gate so why are we talking about the devil in church you might ask and i just want to be real once again this is not a devil glorifying teaching what this is it is equipping the followers of jesus to know how to do battle against the one who hates god and who hates you let me tell you something the church is still struggling to understand its mission and its vision. But the mission and vision of the enemy is clear. He is here to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And the good news is, greater is he who is in us than the enemy who dwells Amen? Let's get right into it. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 in many ways will set the context for us. This is what the Apostles Paul says about a real battle. He says, for we are not battling against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, the people who drive you crazy are not your real enemies. Can anybody say amen to your mother-in-law? Amen. Amen. I'll shout it from the rooftops. (laughs) But our battle... The Bible says it's against rulers and authorities of the unseen world. And there's more to this world, church, than what we see. There's a spiritual world, but there is also, there's also uh, there is a physical world, but there's also a spiritual world as well. And he says this battle that we fight against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in spiritual places. And if you missed last week, we're talking this morning about our spiritual enemy. He has many different names in the Bible. He's called Satan. He is called Lucifer. He's called the deceiver, the destroyer. He is the accuser. He is called the father of lies and the prince of darkness. And what we're looking at in this message series is three different images of or metaphors of our spiritual enemy. Last week we looked at the deceiver. We talked about this. So who is the devil? He's the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. Next week is going to be the most personal one to me. We're going to talk about the destroyer. So who is Satan? He's the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. Today, I want to talk about the image of the accuser. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. The accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. I don't know about you. I've had incredibly difficult days, specifically in pastoral ministry. Days where I felt the pressure and the anguish of others. Days where I've had to make difficult, exhausting decisions. Decisions that I know would affect the future of our church family. And in those moments, I've felt a voice speak to me. You're not good at being a pastor. You should just walk away. You're a terrible pastor. If you think you're so good, why did this happen? Or why did they walk out? I've had these moments even in my relationship with my wife, Crystal, where I've thought, you know, I really don't deserve her. She's too good for me. And I can remember after arguments thinking she's better off with someone else. And I've had moments after bringing correction to my children where I've cried and felt a voice inside of me that says, you're a terrible father. Those are darts of accusations. But I hope you'll understand is these voices are not from our Heavenly Father who loves us. They're from an enemy who hates me. Risen King, how many of you have experienced something like that where you hear voices, something telling you you're unworthy, you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're not trustworthy, and on and on and on it goes. And it comes from our enemy who the Bible says is the accuser my prayer for you is this, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Another version says no weapon formed against you will succeed. I pray that you would silence every voice that would rise up to accuse you by the power of Jesus. Let's talk about the devil, the accuser for a moment. This is what John called the devil in Revelation 12, 10. He said, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters. The Greek word translated as accusers. You've probably heard this word before. This is the Greek word for accuser. Diablos. Diablos is the Greek word for accuser. It's used 35 times in the New Testament. It's translated many times as devil, adversary, Or accuser for the accusers of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters has been hurled down. He has been defeated by the risen Christ, but he doesn't stop accusing day and night. What's so interesting is what the accuser will do is before you ever sin, listen to me, before you ever sin. The accuser will lie to you. He'll say something like this. Go ahead. It's okay. Curse your wife out a little bit. It's okay. Beat your kids down a little bit. It's okay. Get into that hotel room. Nothing will happen. You're stronger than that. It's okay. It's just a little money. Take it. You need it more than they do. It's okay. Yell a little bit. But afterwards, after they entice you, after he lies to you and draws you in, the tone changes. And he flips the switch. And he starts beginning to tell you things after you've committed the crime. You're unworthy. You're unlovable. You're undeserving. You're nothing. So before you sin, the devil says, go ahead, do it. It's no big deal. Everybody else does it. You're not going to get caught. Besides, who really cares? It's your life anyway. And after you do it, after he draws you in to sin, he goes something like this. You're pathetic. You're no good. God doesn't love you. He can never use you again. You've gone too far. So before you sin, he lies. And after you sin, what does he do? He uh accuses in fact if you're taking notes this is powerful when the devil talks to you about god he lies did god really say last week when the devil talks to you about you though he accuses you're no good you're pathetic you're unworthy you're unlovable and we're talking today about how to overcome the voices of the accuser. And what we're going to do is look at a very pow- powerful, very uh, personal and prophetic text from the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. So if you have a Bible, Zechariah chapter 3, you can follow as well on the outline that was provided to you this morning. And let me give you the context. Zechariah has a vision and sees this heavenly courtroom. So what I want you to do is imagine a courtroom... And we're going to be seeing three different characters in this story. First of all, there's God. And God is the judge in this story. Then there is Joshua. And Joshua is the high priest. And he is the one on trial. He is the defendant. And then there's Satan. Satan is the prosecutor. Satan is the one trying to convince the judge, who is God, of Joshua, the high priest, guilt. What's interesting is Satan actually appears to have a case about Joshua's guilt because he's going to say to God, Lord, Joshua's robes are very dirty. And here's the thing from the New Testament on, if you know anything, a high priest's robe should always be clean. Filth is always a sign of or a picture of sin in someone's life. And so Satan appears to have a case. Perhaps the high priest is truly guilty. So he's on trial. God is the judge. And Joshua is being attacked by the accuser. So here's how the story goes. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. So let's pause for a moment. Let me define to you who the angel of the Lord is in Scripture. The angel of the Lord we know from Scripture is most likely Christ. Jesus. You may say, how is Christ in the Old Testament? I'm going to give you a word that I paid a lot of money to be able to learn. And it's a word I have never used since seminary, but I'm going to use it. Are you ready? Can you say it with me? Christophany. Christophany. A Christophany is the appearance of Christ in the Bible in a non, in the non-physical form of Jesus. There are many, many Christophanies. In the book of Daniel, there were three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were thrown into the fire for refusing to worship a false god. And they were supposed to be consumed by this fire, but the very king himself looks into the fire and he says, I've thrown three men in there, but there is a fourth, and he has the image of the son of God. This is the Old Testament. That is a Christophany. So let's continue now that I've explained that. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side. And what was the devil doing? What he always does. He was there to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? In other words, God is saying this. He may be guilty. Maybe he is guilty, but I'm choosing to save him from punishment. Now, here's the truth. Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel of the Lord. He was dirty when he should have been clean. Imagine this. He's standing before God, and he is truly guilty. Have you ever been somewhere where you have felt underdressed before? Right? I've been to. I've been to churches, let me tell you, I've been to churches before, and if you don't walk in there with a tie on, you can have a suit on, you don't walk in there with a tie on, man, they don't want to receive you to to give the word forward. I've been walking into places before where I'm like, man, I didn't know that you were supposed to wear, uh, you know, dressy pants to come into this restaurant. And here I am with jeans. And I don't know if you've ever walked into that situation before where you are the one underdressed person in the entire room. But I just want to tell you that it is incredibly embarrassing. And I hate that feeling. So imagine standing before God. You're not just underdressed, but there's sin on you. You've got the stain of sin and God is holy, and suddenly you're incredibly guilty before you, then imagine the prosecutor, the accuser, the devil, sitting there pointing out everything that you did wrong, like a video right in front of your eyes. I don't know what he'd say for you, but maybe he'd say to you, didn't you lie? Didn't you cheat? Didn't you commit adultery? Don't you battle lust?" I mean, there you are. You're looking at porn all week long and then you come to church acting like you really love Jesus. Didn't you file bankruptcy? You couldn't even pay your own bills. Didn't you let somebody down? Didn't you hurt? And on and on and on and on this goes. The devil accuses. He hurls out guilt. He hurls out shame. He hurls out condemnations. And this is what the devil does. He is the accuser who accuses God's people day in and day out. Now, before we look at the rest of the story, I want to show you some really good news. Because we've looked at who the devil is, but now I want to show you who Jesus is. Who's the devil, if you're taking notes? The devil is the accuser. Who is Jesus? The good news is that there's a word that's used for Jesus in the Bible, and this is a powerful word. The Bible says, according to 1 John 2, verse 1, it gives us some amazing news. John says, my dear children, I am writing this so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate who pleads our case before the father so who is our advocate who is our defense attorney his name is Jesus Christ the only righteous son of God. So we have the one who accuses again and again, but we have the son of God who stands in our favor, who stands in our defense. He is our friend. He lays our case out before the father. And whenever the enemy attacks us, he rises from the bench to defend us. No, they're they're not sinful. They're more than just their sin. They're more than just that incident. There is a character in there. There is a child of God. There is someone who's been endued with the image of, god and jesus rises and defends and the devil tries to prove joshua's guilt and jesus is the defense verse four the angel says to those who were standing before joshua take off joshua's filthy clothes then he said to joshua see i have taken away your sin and i've put fine garments on you yes you're dirty yes you're guilty yes you may be unworthy but i'm taking away the residue of sin from your life i'm putting a fine garment on you i'm putting something on you that you don't deserve and something on you that you cannot earn and i'm not doing it because you're good i'm doing it because i am good and he says take off those filthy clothes and put these robes of righteousness on him and he says see i have forgiven you and this perfectly parallels the story that Jesus records in Luke chapter 15. He says this. He says, there was a father who had two sons. And one son said, I want what's mine. I want my inheritance. I want to go out and live however I want to live. I, I don't want to live according to your rules. So the son went off and he had wild life. He partied hard. Maybe he smoked weed. Maybe he got drunk every night. Maybe he had a new person in his bed every night. And he's always taking this dare and living on edge. As a matter of fact, he's so partied up and messed up that the Bible records that he squandered his entire inheritance on prostitutes and on wild living. And one day he wakes up just like one day we all will wake up and realize I've messed up. What did I do? And this is exactly where some of you are right now. I thought this is what I wanted, but this is far from where I ever wanted to be. And he was hurting because of his sin. And scripture says he came to his senses. He realized this even his father's servants had a better life than he had at that moment. And he decided, maybe I'll go back and he'll take me in as his servant. But when he started coming back to town, he had no idea that his dad had been waiting for him. His dad wasn't angry. When his father saw the son, he ran towards the son. And even though the son was filthy and dirty, the father took off his very own robe that was completely clean. And he put it over the son who was dirty. And so the father looked at the son and he didn't see sin. But he looked at the righteousness and the goodness of the father. And he said, you're always a son to me. Let's come home and let's celebrate. And this is the perfect picture of what God did in Zechariah chapter 3. The high priest was guilty. And the angel of the Lord, Christ, in the Old Testament says, take off those dirty robes. Put on the fine garments. See, I've taken your sin away. And it's all by the grace of God. Then in verse 5, this is what he says. He says, put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head. And they clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. And he says, here's your assignment. What I want you to notice is what the angel didn't say. Listen to me. I grew up in in a religious household. Okay. I grew up in a very religious church. I want you to notice what the angel of God didn't say. The angel didn't say, now Joshua, after your poor behavior, we're going to have to put you on one year probation. And if you live back up to our standards, then perhaps at the end of the year, you can enter back into the service of God as an entry-level priest while somebody else becomes a high priest in your favor. And if you're really, really good over a three-year period, maybe you might move up the ranks a little. But you've got to be good. If you have any doubt, any sin, I'm going to take you out of the game. Because we can't have someone of your kind of character and of your kind of action serving our God. He didn't say any of that. I want to show you exactly what he said. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you'll walk in obedience and keep my requirements, Joshua, then you will govern my house and have charge over my courts. And I will give you a place among these standing here. The angel ordered, take off the filthy garments, put on the fine garments. And then he said essentially this to him. Return to the temple. Keep on serving the Lord. Return to the temple. Keep on doing what you were doing before, I don 't know who needs to hear this this morning, but you you've been living under the accusation of the enemy, you can't and you never will, after what you've did, and you 've been away too long, and you 're no good, and you have doubts, and you've battled this, and you battle with that, and God says, no, and he rises and he silences the voice of the enemy, and he says, "I have." forgiven your sin get back to the temple and keep on serving the lord get back in the game and keep on serving others keep on pointing them to jesus keep on loving in my name keep on lifting up my name high get back to the temple keep on serving the lord how do we know whenever we've done something wrong and we start to hear that inner sense of something We need, as Jesus' followers, listen to me, this is powerful. We need to learn to clearly distinguish the devil's accusations and the spirit's conviction because they're very different things. The devil accuses, but the spirit convicts. In fact, what does an accusation do? Whenever the devil accuses, it drives us away from God. I'm unworthy. I can't even go into God's presence. But conviction leads us to God. It says, I need his grace. I need his mercies. Accusation makes us feel guilty and ashamed and dirty and distant from God. But conviction shows us our need. It pulls us into the goodness and the grace of God. So whenever Satan accuses us, he wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel shame. He wants you to feel unlovable. He wants you to feel unworthy. But whenever the Spirit convicts you, it draws you into the presence of God to experience the grace and the goodness of God. Here's what Scripture says. It says, now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whenever the Spirit convicts, we step into God's presence. We step into His grace. I love what one preacher said listen to this he said the devil knows your name but calls you by your sin god knows your sin but calls you by your name he may know what you did but he doesn't hold your sin against you in fact i love the way the apostle paul describes this process how do we battle against the evil one When we recognize that we're in a spiritual battle, we don't fight as humans fight. We fight with spiritual weapons. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight against, they're not weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what do we do? We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So whenever the enemy starts to lie about us, starts accusing us and starts telling us what we are not, we take that thought captive and we fight with our spiritual weapons. We fight with the helmet of salvation, with the breastplate of righteousness, with the field of, with the shield of faith which quenches The fiery arrows of Satan with the belt of truth, with the shoes prepared for the gospel of peace. And we have that one offensive weapon that we learned about last week. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Sharper than any double-edged sword. We take the accusations of the enemy, we capture them, and we make those thoughts obedient to Christ. So whenever we hear, you're a failure you're no good then you can quote back and fight with the sword of the spirit I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ I am a new creation the old has gone and behold the new has come when you hear the voice of the accuser say God is punishing you no my father is a good God he gives good gifts to his children that he loves this is an attack from the evil one And what the evil one meant for harm, my God will use for good. You may be going through a hard time and you may be getting attacked on every side. And in that moment, you take the sword of the Spirit and you say, I consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever I face any kinds of trial because I know the testing of my faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work in me so I may be mature and complete and lacking in nothing. When the devil speaks to you and says, after you, after what you just did, you expect God can use you again. God can never use you. God doesn't love you. You're in big trouble, buddy. You take that thought. You make it obedient to the scriptures. Obedient to Christ. I will rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say I will rejoice because the Lord is near me. I am not anxious for anything but in everything by prayer and petition. I will make my request known to the Lord. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard my heart and keep my mind in Christ Jesus. When the devil says God doesn't love you. God is not with you. You respond back and you say, I am more than a conqueror through Lord Jesus who loved me. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God. My God is with me. My God is for me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You are not who the devil says you are. You are not what the devil says you did. You are who Christ says you are. You are a child of God. You are the child of the king. You are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen nation. You are the head. You are not the tail. You are seated in heavenly places. So whenever the devil accuses you and tells you what you can't do, you capture that and you fight back with the word of God. And you say, I am not who you say I am. When The devil tries to talk you out of living for God and glorifying God, making a difference and being connected to people. That's his goal. His mission, his vision is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to God. And he attacks you with accusations over and over and over again. The good news is this. You have an advocate. You have a defense. And he is seated right next to God the Father. And he said, no, that's not true. Let me tell you what is true. There's no condemnation. She is new in Christ. He is forgiven. He is made new. Oh, that's what he did. He may have done that, Satan. But that's not who he is. And the devil. The devil lies. And Jesus says, hey, that may be what you say. But let me talk to you about the truth. There is so much more that you were created to do. There is purpose in your life. God had intention and God had plan in your life. When Satan says to me, you're not good enough, Tom. You shouldn't be a preacher. You're not worthy of this marriage you're in. You're not a good example. No, 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 no. I am the righteousness of Christ in the Lord. My blessing is coming. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out. I am made completely new and I will lay my life down to serve my wife and my family as Christ loved the church. And I'm imparting spiritual life to my children, raised being biblically anchored, Christ-centered, world changers. I may not have got it right then, but I'm getting it right now. Because the spirit of truth dwells in me. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free so when your enemy accuses you this is my prayer for you that no weapon formed against you will succeed that by the power of truth you would take every thought captive and make it obedient to christ because you know the truth and the truth will set you free you will silence every voice raised up that accuses you and the good news is this you've got christ defending in you standing with you greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world so father today we ask that you would give us the power of your living word to defeat the lies and the accusations of the enemy father i thank you for your living word i pray god that you would quench the fiery darts of accusation, God, for those who feel defeated, who feel unworthy, who feel unlovable, God, who feel full of shame, we thank you, God, that they are not what they did. They are who you say they are. And we pray today, God, that their mind would be renewed with truth. The devil is a liar. You are the truth, Jesus. And the truth will set us free. God, renews our minds. Renew our minds, God silence the accusations of Satan. We thank you, Jesus, that you defend us. And may we step into the truth of who you say we are and live the calling that you've called us to live. And we pray now that the truth would set us